Hi, dear listener. Zach here. I'm proud of the work we did on Call of Discovery and Keyforge Public Radio, and last year I took my love of podcasts full-time with my company, Rooster High Productions. If you know someone with a business who wants to broadcast their expertise through podcasts and derived social media marketing, send them my way to Zach at RoosterHigh.com. Thank you so much. In a time before ghosts, in a time before galaxies, there was a singular strategic entity, the Bouncing Death Quark, a podcast which gave us a framework and understanding for Keyforge houses with Main House, Support House, and Burst House. They faded into the distance after just a few sets, and now we bring back their wisdom and refresh it for our new age of understanding, for winds of exchange, for grim reminders, and all the sets in between now and then. This is Keyforge Public Radio, and I hope you're hydrated, because let's get sweaty. Welcome to Keyforge Public Radio with your host, Zach Armstrong. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to Keyforge Public Radio. As the amazing lady said in the intro, I am Zach Armstrong, and we are here to talk about the We are here to talk about the burst house role in Keyforge Houses. This is, of course, from the framework for understanding and thinking about Keyforge Houses that we received from Bouncing Death Quark years ago in their fantastic and really foundational Keyforge strategy work they did back on that podcast. Now, we have talked about the main house before a few weeks ago, where it is the house you want to call back to back, and you're not necessarily needing to play any cards from your hand to be very happy about what your turn looks like, that you are pushing forward, that you are gaining ground, you are reaping out gaming, amber forging keys, maybe fighting down maybe fighting down creatures, but at the very least, your creatures are sticky, they are sitting there, you are gaining advantage from your creatures and your artifacts on turns back to back. Then we talked about support house, which can act as a backup main house, a secondary main house, but is often characterized by removal, by having board wipes and creature removal in it, you can respond to threats. These are cards that are going to be situationally good. You have tempo cards, control cards, right, which are sometimes related. You can have a lot of capture In these kinds of houses, you can have combos that help set you up for stronger future turns or make your main house even better, either through protection, warding, or just setting them up to do bigger and better things. And then the burst house is the last kind of house we're going to be looking at. This is a framework that is very helpful to think about Keyforge decks and Keyforge houses. And now any Keyforge house can fulfill any of these roles, depending on what that house pod looks like. And some house pods, of course, are going to be a mix of things. They're not going to have one clear identity. But when you have a house pod that does have a clear identity that fits within one of these roles, or you see this house performing this role on the board, this is a good framework for understanding how it's going to get you an advantage and how it relates to the board state and the other houses in your deck so that you can use it the best way possible. So what is a burst house? Well, it is what it sounds like. It's going to be your situational, immediate, and powerful house that has a few key cards of consistent pips and amber generation. Now, amber generation is really what separates it from the support house here. The support house can have some helpful combos, but that don't get you a ton of amber. If it gets you a ton of amber, 
they really are they really are a win condition themselves and thus we're calling them burst house where they're gaining a ton of amber all at once now these are going to be situational cards these are going to be combos that you have to set up if you've been playing winds of exchange you have of course seen cards like membership drive where you make a token creature and then gain one for every friendly token creature huge payoff for having token creatures you've seen cards like inspiring oration which you exalt a creature and create a token creature for every amber on that creature which pairs amazingly if you have uh, that's in house saurian so it pairs amazingly with the saurian card legionary trainer play which is a two crowd a two power card that lets friendly token creatures interplay ready and creates a token creature on play so a burst house is really a house that has a situational combo that's going to get you a ton of amber and a ton of advantage all at once inside of generally you're going to be able to pull all this off inside of one turn because with without there being instants or reactions in Keyforge, the more you can pull off in a single turn, the better. So your opponent does not have a chance to respond or disrupt what you are doing. So this is going to be situational. We'll often take setup. If you have cards that combo together to get you extra amber, you want all those together in a certain order. Archiving is going to help set this up, of course. And it's a bit more situational. It's a bit more situational when it happens, and it takes some planning, a few good rolls on what you draw, and some good handcrafting, like we talked about in previous episodes. Handcrafting to get those the, all those cards better out at once. Now, of course, if you handcraft and you can set up a main house this way, where all of a sudden you have four or five creatures and artifacts in your hand that are going to set up that main house to present a big threat on the board, you can also be handcrafting to set yourself up for a reward for a burst house where you have a lot of pips or a lot of cards that are going to help you set up a situation in which you can have major payoff and present a major threat to be getting to check to forge a key or comboing off with key cheats to get some keys forged and present really strong threats that way. So a burst house, of course, is going to be less sustainable than a main house. It's going to be much harder for your opponent to disrupt, is a point they were making on Bouncing Death Quark earlier. Much harder to disrupt because you're playing this all at once. There are many fewer interrupting effects that can stop this burst house once it goes off. Now, cards with a lot of pips are going to be great for a burst house. In Winds of Exchange, I mentioned this uh, in a support house context last time, but if you have Transporter Platform with upgrades with a lot of pips, because Transporter Platform returns a friendly creature and all upgrades attached to it to your hand, and so if you have Amber Pips on that creature, on the upgrades that are attached to it, especially a couple bonus Amber Pips and maybe some draw pips, you can be playing and replaying that multiple times per turn, and really getting an awful lot of amber off of that creature and those pips from just playing them over and over again. Now, hilariously, this is almost a cross between a burst house because it is bursting and a main house if you can repeat it. Now, typically with Star Alliance, these creatures are going to be relatively removable on the board. They're a bit smaller, so they're easier to just knock off and remove unless you're bouncing them back to your hand and saving them because you just want to repeat and you're not worried about sacrificing that card draw this of these cards whatever you're playing uh, to just keep replaying uh, this creature and that upgrade if you keep replaying those and those are better than anything else you would draw so you don't want to 
keep those on the board in between turns for your opponent to remove, then you keep it that way and it becomes this weird burst repeatable burst house. So it does take some setup. It's not a whole lot of consistent cards, but if you get that little repeatable combo, then you keep going. That's a bit of uh, a niche, but interesting example to examine what we mean by burst house and what we mean by main house. So funnily enough, our burst houses have really changed over the course of Keyforge. We saw in Call of the Archons way back in the day, often Untamed and Shadows were the main burst houses. Untamed often having pips and amber generation effects, especially with things like Nature's Call, where you could bounce creatures to your hand that either had amber pips or you're getting rewarded for having hunting, which gives you an amber after you play another friendly creature, and then payoffs, a payoff with where you can forge a key at current cost after losing one, or key charge, which was the action card version of the same thing. And then Shadows stole a lot of Amber. It had a lot of pips often on its stealing. It had a lot of pips often on its stealing cards. And you were able to steal a bunch of Amber, play a bunch of pips, and just go crazy (laughs) stealing all that Amber. You had too much to protect as well. And Miasma, to support that, too much to protect, stealing all but six Miasma, having your uh, opponent skip their Forge a Key step. But funnily enough, the Burst Houses have changed. And depending on what lists you get in your pods, your Burst House can come from surprising places so if you have multiple membership drive or the relative the um, related card funnily enough that started in dark tidings and was also printed in winds of exchange harmonic ritual where it has an amber pip and you choose a creature and if it shares a house with its left neighbor you gain one and then you continue that down the line and you continue that down the line a sanctum actually has these burst cards and situations where you can set up you can set up a board state with the payoff of having a pretty huge burst. If you have, oh gosh, there is a, the classic combo that's not crazy rare in Winds of Exchange, but it's it's certainly there in in Sanctum, is getting the Defender token, which has the Knight trait. It is a two power, one armor, and then you get Squire Recruitment that says play for every friendly Knight creature, create a token creature, And when your token creatures are knights, that means you're at least doubling your number of token creatures. And then you can go straight. You can go straight into a membership drive or a harmonic ritual. And so those lists certainly exist. The consistency within Winds of Exchange is a bit funnier, a bit harder to manage with token creatures. But if you can pull that off, that is huge back-to-back bursts. I've had, there was one deck that was a little infamous in our local meta in Winds of Exchange that could often just to turn the entire almost entire deck into token creatures and they were getting double digit amber burst off of both of the membership drives which is pretty bonkers there was also a couple setups i saw in dark tidings sanctum of all places where you have uh, repeatable baldrick the bold which is a four power two armor sanctum creature that has before fight if you're fighting the most powerful enemy creature gain two and if you have ready and fight effects like with like with Grey Rider, which has play after fight after reap, you may ready and fight with a neighboring creature. You have Smite that was reprinted in Dark Tidings that is ready and fight with a creature, deal two damage to the attacked creature's neighbors. You can get all that ready and fight off, and if you're getting off two, three, four fights with Baldric, you can... Often, if Baldrick is surviving and there are ways to give Baldrick extra power, extra armor, make it invulnerable for a turn with things like Potion of Invulnerability, you can be bursting for six, eight Amber off of Baldrick. So 
always, of course, keep an eye out for what the classic burst cards are. And that is what, of course, I look for in the set. What is a repeatable burst effect or what is a burst effect that has a great payoff like membership drive? So keep an eye out if there's going to be any cards like that in Grim Reminders, especially look out for the phrase for each. I often type the phrase for each into into Arcana Arcana once all the cards for a set are loaded because that often is put onto a card that can scale on a board state that just goes as big as the board state is, right? So like Membership Drive says, for each, for each, you know, friendly token creature. So keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye out for what those board states look like so that if you get these burst mechanics in your decks or if you're facing down decks with these burst mechanics in them, you know what their payoff board state looks like so you can intelligently integrate that into the decisions you're making. Is it the right call to play around that and try to control that and interrupt them? Or do you have your own plans that you need to not waste any time on and push forward, just take their big plays on the chin and just try to go bigger and outrace them with some tempo plays with your support house, right? With some capture, with some house control. So Burst has... Really what I'll say about this is burst is a very simple concept. It's often just get a bunch of amber and then key cheats are amazing for key cheats are amazing for burst. And I think philosophically you could call a combo with a win con that might even ignore amber. You could call that a burst house as well if you're doing something special with the old the old artifact epic quest that archives all friendly knights on play and then has omni if you've played seven or more uh, sanctum cards this turn forge a key at no cost so that's a burst payoff for doing a whole lot in one turn there's the classic card key abduction in mars that returns all friendly mars creatures to hand and then you forge a key at plus uh, nine i believe reduced by one for every card in your hand so if you get a ton of cards in hand you're not really forging for a whole lot of amber depending on how big your hand is and so we have diversified or we have seen diversified what a burst house can do and what a burst house can be made of we have seen a lot of burst in uh worlds collide brobnar worlds collide brobnar dominates sealed alliance and sealed for a reason it's because it can serve as both a main house where you call it back to back and you just keep calling it and you keep fighting and getting rewards for fighting and things like brick nasty giving you one amber for every what giving you one amber for every time a friendly another friendly brabnar creature fights right uh smith that immediate payoff and it can be both a main house where you're calling it back to back and a burst house where where you can drop things like it has burst house combos using cards that are often a part of main house combos. And it has a specific combo that you may have been subject to. I'll describe it in a second here. This specific combo is a burst combo that turns you into a main house, which is crazy. So Endless Hordes is a rare Brobnar action card that says for every enemy creature, create a token creature ready and fight with every token creature you made into each of the enemy creatures and you ignore taunt, I believe, and maybe elusive, but no, I don't think you ignore elusive. Yeah, it's just ignore taunt. And so something that gets crazy is if you have Endless Hordes and Brick Nasty, and Brick Nasty, we've gone over that, gain one amber every time another friendly Brobnar creature fights. 
And sometimes I've seen this with multiple Brick Nasties, it gets gross. You play Brick Nasty, you play maybe your second Brick Nasty, and then you play Endless Hordes against a large opponent's board. So there is some setup. This is very much a classic burst setup. And then if you have a Brobnar token, especially something like Skirmisher, two-power Skirmish Goblin token creature, and then you fight, so let's say your opponent has six creatures on the board, you play a Brick Nasty, and then you play Endless Hordes. That's just two cards. That's not more cards than two, right? Then you play, then you get all of these goblins, you get all these skirmishers into play and then fight with each of them and get an amber off of Brick Nasty for each of them. And so if you have, I've seen it with two Brick Nasties because Brick Nasty is a common, so it's not terribly rare to get more than one. Sometimes that can happen with Endless Hordes. And then they just punish you like crazy for having a board at all because they're doubling their amber if it's two brick nasties and then all of a sudden your board has been relatively trashed maybe destroyed at the very least your board has been busted up quite a bit and now they have especially if it's a token that can survive those fights now they have a board full of creatures that can if they survived continue reaping out they can continue to call that house as they go forward so there are a few setups in worlds in Winds of Exchange Brabnar that turn their burst house, turn a burst house combo into a main house in a few situations. Now it's not in every deck, but it's notable, right? That's something I want to shout out. I've been subject to that in more than one instance and once on stream <laughs> in Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Vault Tour Sealed Alliance. I was on the Tabletop Royale stream against a, a lovely opponent from a Bay Area. I don't remember which Bay Area. And they finished off the game with that particular combo. So that is a burst house. So keep an eye out for what cards are going to be those payoff cards, whether it's a few cards that work together, like Hunting Witch, like Hunting Witch, Dust Pixie, Nature's Call back in the Call of the Archons days, or whether it's more of a board state payoff like Membership Drive, or whether it's a kind of a two-card combo that works in a specific way, like Brick Nasty, Brick Nasty, Endless Hordes with a Brabnar token, keep an eye out for what that burst looks like so that you can either be building uh, towards that payoff board state if appropriate or integrating your opponent trying to get into that payoff board state into your strategy. Do you interrupt it? Is it worth it to interrupt it? Or do you just need to out-tempo them? So that is some modernized thoughts on the burst house roll. That is some modernized thoughts on the burst house role. We'll be taking, take a look at Grim Reminders as it plays and use main support and burst house frameworks in how you think about how you play these decks. It's going to help you understand the decks better so that you can figure out as you play a deck a couple of times, is this deck not great? Is this deck middling? Or do I just need to understand this deck better? And is the framework of main support and burst house helpful in helping me understand this deck better as I play it so I can unlock it? Because remember, from my experience at the very least, so many of my Keyforge decks, I was not good enough at that specific deck to really get the payoff for that deck. I needed to get better at Keyforge before I found the skill ceiling for that deck. So I suspect you're in that place with a number of decks too, because this game is so deep and such high variance that so many different situations provide so many more places for skill expression and more opportunities to make a mistake. It's a very high skill testing game when you're taking it real sweaty, when you're taking it, I was trying to say you're taking it real serious, but I ended up saying you take it real sweaty and I'm, we're just going to leave that when you take it real sweaty, take it real sweaty folks. So that this has been a lot of fun going off 
of uh, Bouncing Death Quark's house rules, these frameworks that they've given us. And we have repeated these in Keyforge content. I know uh, uh, Aurora covered these. If you haven't heard of Aurora, a great Keyforge strategist has a blog over on timeshapers.com. Great Keyforge strategist who's been writing articles and covered some of this uh, a while back. Uh, Help from Future Self covered some Bouncing Death Quark strategic topics, I think about a year ago. So it's always worth it to go back and dive into these topics. And thank you so much for joining me for this dive back into the Bouncing Death Quark framework of main support and burst houses and how we can think about it in Keyforge's uh, current era. This has been Keyforge Public Radio. My name is Zach Armstrong. KeyforgePublicRadio.com is where you can find the episodes and fun blog posts of all sorts up there on the website, including the merch shop where we've got some fun Keyforge themed, Keyforge Public Radio themed items up there. Of course, we are supported on Patreon, and we would love to have you there if you're willing to support. That starts at just $4 per month for Discord and content vote access, along with hearing my twice per month Patreon only episodes. Thank you so much to our Airwave Advocate level supporters like Paul roadrunner make sure to follow the show and tell your friends about keyforge public radio if you're getting them into keyforge mention it i hope this can be a great resource for people coming into the game as the game grows and remember dear listener like your radio dial may your keyforge skills always be well tuned visit keyforgepublicradio.com to find all of our episodes transcripts blog posts the kpr store and more Keyforge Public Radio is made possible with support from listeners just like you who believe in this game and this show. When you join the Patreon, you receive access to votes on content, sneak peeks, early knowledge of interviews, access to the Discord, and other benefits. So come on down, I'd be honored if you joined us. Follow KPR on any social media platform you frequent. Just search for Keyforge Public Radio, and we're probably there. This show is produced by Rooster High Productions, which is me. And remember, dear listener, the most important part of Keyforge is the person across the table.